Our scripture reading is Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Listen. This is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. L.S. Chafer tells this story in his book called Grace. One man once challenged another guy to an all-day wood-chopping contest. Must have been in Wisconsin or something like that. The challenger worked very hard. He stopped only for a brief lunch break. And the other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks throughout the day. At the end of the day, the guy who challenged the first guy was surprised and annoyed to find the other man had chopped substantially more wood than he had. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, and yet you chopped more wood than I did. But you didn't notice, said the winning woodsman, that I was sharpening my axe when I sat down to rest. This message about the Sabbath is about regular rest in the midst of our busy lives of work. It's about recharging, refilling in order to win the race that is the Christian life. This message is about the joy of following this command and as a result, enjoying more the life that God has given you. If you missed the message last week, you missed the start to this new series we're doing, That Old Time Religion. Just want to get you up to speed uh, a minute. The idea of the series comes from trends in the United States of lessening commitment to the church. Scientific polls and surveys show less people believe in God than ever before, and that even Christians are in worship less than ever before. We're in a day, it seems quite obvious, we're in a day of lessening commitment to Christ and his people. This past Wednesday, I was handed this pamphlet. It's from Calvin Theological Seminary. That's where I went to seminary. It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it's called the Renewal Lab, a two-year journey to kickstart renewal in the local church. And there's a little section here that says, did you know? And the source of what they share here is from the Barna Group. Did you know North America is the only continent where Christianity is not growing. There are 350,000 churches in America. 80% have reached a plateau or are declining. 15% are growing because of transfer growth from other churches. Only 5% are growing because of conversion growth. 
None of this is happy news, but our response as Christians does not need to be that the sky is falling. God is sovereign. God is on the throne. Nothing can thwart his purposes. But we should have a response, and and I believe the response that's called for is a renewed commitment by us to Jesus and to his word and to the church and to the historic Christian faith because nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. And, and this, is, this is what we're about at Faith Christian Reformed Church. And this little sermon series is intended to give some tried and true spiritual practices for us living in our day and age to help us in our desire as believers to stand strong, to bear down. Last week, it was prayer. This week, Sabbath keeping. The fourth commandment calls us to keep the Sabbath day holy. Sabbath is kind of an old, archaic word. Sabbath is just the Hebrew word for rest. And while God's people in the Old Testament had the Sabbath on the seventh day of the week, Saturday... From Easter on, the Sabbath is Sunday. I think if there are any commandments that are especially ignored today, it's this one. And and sometimes there seems to be a feeling that, and and maybe it has to do with that word Sabbath, that's such an an Old Testament word. You know, there seems to be a feeling that this commandment is really not for us. It's really like an Old Testament thing. I don't, I don't know why exactly people think that, but I think you know, some of it could be that Hebrew word, Sabbath, that sounds very Old Testament. And maybe also it's because Jesus so often criticized the Jewish religious leaders on their view of the Sabbath. But of course, when you read the Gospels, the problem was not with this commandment, but with the fact that they created exactly 39 extra commandments, 39 extra rules related to it. Jesus was upset with that, not the idea of keeping the Sabbath day holy. And, you know, the the New Testament makes really clear that we still have 10 commandments, not just nine. In John 20, 19, and 26, Jesus meets with his disciples in a special way, after his resurrection, and the Bible tells us that they gathered together on the first day of the week. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, talks about a collection being taken in the churches on the first day of the week, and that shows us that's when they gathered for worship. Revelation 1.10, John wrote Revelation, and he talks about being in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So there was a Lord's day. And I, I, just, I just believe that there's something really critical that we're missing when we go along with a trend to, to ignore the Sabbath day or, or to kind of not care so much about it anymore. And, and I realize that some people have grown up in, in Christian traditions where keeping the Sabbath day holy was sort of a negative thing, or it was preached with fire and brimstone. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's helpful. The idea of, of Sabbath 
was not a negative thing for me growing up. And my parents took it seriously. I know it was not a negative thing for Sarah in her home growing up either. Instead, it was a joyful pattern of living for Jesus. And that's how it really can be and should be for all of us. I'm convinced of that. So what I want to do is share five ways to enjoy the Sabbath. And as we do that, I hope you'll see how Sabbath-keeping is something you should be committed to because God calls you to do it, God commands it, and because it will enhance your life tremendously. It will increase your commitment to the church of Jesus. It will increase your commitment to Jesus himself. I'm convinced of it. All right? Five. Five ways to enjoy the Sabbath. Number one, first of all, recognize that you were designed for the Sabbath. We read in Genesis 2, 2 and 3 that God finished the work he had been doing, and the work he was doing then was creation, and then he rested on the seventh day from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And many years later, God gave his people the Ten Commandments, including the fourth, which says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the command, I read the whole thing this morning, the command includes the rationale, the why of it, and it refers back to God's rest at creation in Genesis 2. So this commandment is rooted in creation itself. It's what we call a creation ordinance. We were designed for this pattern of six days of work and one day of rest. To go against the creation design is to go against what we're built for. You might try going against gravity by jumping off a cliff, but I can tell you, you're going to be in trouble. You won't fly you won't float, you will crash to the ground. And the law of gravity determines that. The law of Sabbath rest is not something we should try to counter. It's said that the Chinese, uninfluenced by Christianity, tried to counter it, tried to do this, tried to have seven-day work weeks, and there was nothing telling them not to. And a number of other Far Eastern cultures followed suit and tried that as well. And over time, workers just totally burnt out and became totally unproductive. And then they came to see the wisdom of a day of rest. Experience led them to God's design for people. I believe you and I will enjoy the day when we realize that it's part of God's loving design for us to have this pattern of work and rest and rest and work. Secondly, another way you can enjoy the Sabbath is when you join your fellow believers for worship. I'm preaching to the choir this morning because you're here in worship. When else can you sing praises with God's people? When else can you fellowship with all these Christians? When else can you go and hear God's word proclaimed? When else can you give to gospel causes like 
the one we gave to today and ones the world over and partner with what God is doing all over the place. Worship like this, like what we're doing this morning, is a good thing. It's a very good thing. And in speaking of God's design, we can grow and we do grow as Christians through lots of avenues like prayer we talked about last week, scripture reading, personal devotions, our quiet times, reading good Christian books, listening to Christian radio in our small groups, in Bible studies, through music, in serving those in need. But God designed us especially to grow with the primary means of grace, and that's that's what we're doing this morning. Worship with the preaching of God's word. And, and when, when, when someone misses out on public worship time after time after time, they're going to become like a parched flower and wilt. But with the waters of God's word and with the fellowship of God's people, you'll thrive and you'll grow as a believer. Now, there are reasons, of course, that we can't be in worship every Sunday. Or there are reasons we can't be there as much as we, we might want to. Certain types of work especially hinder the possibility of Sunday being the day of rest that, that we might want it to be. And traditionally, the church has talked about works of necessity. That's like policemen, firemen, and and Related to that, works of mercy, doctors and nurses and, and jobs like that, and works of religion. That's my work, like a minister. And, and for those professions, there is often regular work on Sunday. And even beyond that, in the complexities of society today, there are other things besides those that need to go on every day of the week, even on Sundays, right? Like our utilities, transportation, on farms, cows need to be milked every day. And there are lots of examples. And so our work obligations can and do sometimes prevent us to gather with the saints. Also, of course, sometimes we're just out of town. We're not near our home church. It's ideal to be in worship in your home church as much as possible, but sometimes we're out of town. We're on vacation, and when you're on vacation, I'd certainly encourage you to be in the closest Bible-believing church you can find. Later in life, folks can become shut in and so can't be in worship like this with us, and they miss that enjoyment of being with fellow believers. And that, that's why we try to help with our DVD ministry, regular visiting, supporting our shut-ins. So, yes, there are times, there are situations when we can't meet for worship. That's true of all of us, but that's not the norm for the Christian person. What is normal is to gather in the church for worship on the Sabbath day, and we do our best to ensure that our lives are set up so that we can do that just as much as possible. That's what Christians do. Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. 
that became a trend in the New Testament already and throughout history. It seems to be a little bit of a trend today. But we say amen to what Hebrews says. Don't give up meeting together. We say we won't do that. We won't give this up. We'll be in worship just as much as we possibly can as Christians to enjoy the Sabbath day. Third, you'll enjoy the Sabbath if you prepare for it. You'll enjoy the Sabbath if you prepare for this day. I heard one of the most well-known pastors in America once preach about the idea. He used the image of filling our spiritual fuel tanks. I might have shared this with you once before, actually. He said about Sundays, you don't want to be driving into the church parking lot running on fumes and expect to have your spiritual tank filled completely by worship on Sunday. The idea for a believer is to keep filling your spiritual tank day by day through your prayer life, through being in the Word, through reading edifying books, through fellowship with other believers, maybe through a small group or through serving. And then on Sundays, you come here to worship to have your tank topped off. In other words, we don't let ourselves rot, spiritually speaking, during the week. It's not just a matter of the pastor and those involved in worship doing all the work to fill you up on Sunday in worship. But each one of us, as God's children, with the Holy Spirit in us, we're called to take responsibility for our walk with God. So we prepare for the Sabbath each week through a faithful, committed walk with the Lord day by day. With a day-by-day close walk with God, you will be set up to enjoy Sundays, maybe like never before. There's one other way to prepare for the Sabbath that I especially want to mention, and I'm doing this at the risk of sounding like, like a... Like, like a parent, like a mom or dad talking to their eight-year-old, but I'm going to say it. Consider getting to bed on time on Saturday nights. How can we enjoy worship and enjoy the Sabbath if we're coming into it half asleep? You can't. If it's important for boys and girls to get to bed on time to prepare for school, and hint, parents, it is. I think most of you know that. If it's important for preparing for school, how much more important is it that, that we make sure we're wide awake and well-rested for worship so that we're attentive to what's going on, so we can sing vigorously, so we can listen with expectation to God's Word and hear God's grace. And of course, there are times that we have to stay up late on Saturday night. Sometimes we'll have to go to bed much later than we should, but don't let that become a habit. Prepare for the Sabbath by being mindful of your activities on Saturday nights. It, you know, it's for that reason that the Jews, for the Jews, the Sabbath, which was Saturday, of course, for them and continues to be, it's for that reason that for them it started on Friday at 6 p.m., what if we thought more along those lines and entered 
the church building on Sunday morning, wide awake, ready to participate, ready to jump in, expecting God's presence, loving to see God's people because we're awake and we're not asleep. We've got to skip in our step. So you'll enjoy the Sabbath more and better if you prepare for the Sabbath. Fourth, free yourself from the rat race of life. Enjoying the Sabbath to its fullest isn't just about public worship, but I believe it's also about freeing ourselves from most of our regular day-to-day activities. Sabbath means rest, remember the Sabbath by by keeping it holy. To make it holy means to set it apart. So if we want to take full advantage of this day and enjoy it, we'll not only keep our working to a minimum as much as possible, depending on the type of job we have and so forth, but we will keep shopping and errands and running around and even housework all to a minimum. It is not supposed to be like any other day. Sunday is not a second Saturday where the stuff we don't get done then we do on Sunday. You will not enjoy the day as much as you could if you fill it up with busyness and busy work. I don't believe that's God's design. What about, you know, speaking of stuff we do on other days and what we should do, what about sports? Watching sports, playing sports, is that part of the busyness we should take out of the day? Some Christians might very well think so and want to do that. People in the Christian tradition who I really respect, uh, are actually goes back to our Reformed roots, have very good advice on, on that in particular on Sundays that I pass along to you. Doing sports, participating in sports, watching sports, hey, it's all okay as long as it doesn't interfere with worship. That's the suggestion from our, our spiritual forefathers on that. And, and on all of these suggestions of freeing yourself from the rat race of life, I realize that it might be difficult. It's not always possible. But I don't believe that we will as fully benefit from the Sabbath if we just do worship in the morning and then the rest of the day is like any other day. It's not remember the Sabbath morning. It's remember the Sabbath day. And we're called to actively do what needs to be done as households to keep the day holy, to keep it set apart, the day, not just the morning. And that's one of the main reasons many churches throughout history have had evening worship in addition to morning. You wonder, what's the point of that? Well, there's lots of points to that. One is to help people truly enjoy the day of rest. And I can guarantee you, if your pattern as a household is Sunday morning and Sunday evening worship, you're going to automatically be freeing yourself up from the rat race because it becomes impossible to fit in all that other stuff that fits better on the other six days and nights so you can have a day of rest and truly keep the day holy. Now, you might protest about all of this. Pastor, you don't know my life. You're a pastor. Sunday 
is your day when you're most doing your work, so of course it's sort of set apart. You don't know my schedule. You don't know how many hours I work. You don't know the craziness of my life Monday through Saturday. I don't have time to get done what I need to get done in a week. There's no way I can set Sunday apart and make it holy. I'm lucky if I can set apart a few hours in the morning. My answer to you would be the same as it is to those who say they have too many expenses in their life to tithe. The same answer. Just have faith. Just do it. Just obey and see what God will do. He will work it out. Just as so many Christians can testify to God's faithfulness in the tithing and giving department, also many Christians can testify to God's faithfulness in Sabbath keeping. Somehow, God works it all out and things turn out even better than before for your life. Like many things in the Christian life, though, it takes active faith. It takes trust. I said five. That was four. Finally, you'll enjoy the Sabbath day when you let Sunday start your week, not end it. In the change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from Saturday as Sabbath to Sunday as Sabbath, something nifty happened that maybe you've never thought about. The Sabbath starts out our week now. We're in the Old Testament. It ended the week. And, and this means that Old Testament pattern was that people worked and worked and worked to rest. They worked in order to rest. And that Old Testament way is still how most of the world treats their work each week. Looking ahead to rest most people treat work as a necessary evil. They just can't wait till the weekend when we can relax. The New Testament pattern, the pattern that we're called to, is different. It's the opposite, really. Work, we know, being productive is part of God's design for us. And we rest in order to work. Sunday gets us started on our week. It sets the tone for our week. We're renewed, we're refreshed, we're equipped with the Lord and his people to go out into our lives in the week to come. John Stott is a really great and thoughtful man of God, a theologian. And he says this, that I came across this week, and I think it really helps us understand Sabbath. But I don't think he's talking about the Sabbath even. But listen, if Jesus' first command was come, and we've been seeing that in the Gospel of John, come, come to me. If that was his first command, his second command was go. That is, we're to go back into the world out of which we have come and go back as Christ's ambassadors. That's true when you look at the mission of the church, the sweep of it, but it's also true when you look at your own life and you look at your week-by-week pattern. So the Sabbath day 
is when we are week by week following Jesus' command to come to him. And in worship with his people, we come into his presence in a way that's intended to be more special and more powerful than any other way. We experience his word. We receive his grace. And that's for a purpose. It doesn't end there. That's for the purpose of going out into the mission field. The mission field each one of us has in our homes, at work, at school for you students and kids. We come here to go out there and shine the light. And so I believe that you'll enjoy the Sabbath when you follow that pattern, when you let it start your week. When we talk about the Christian life like we are today in Christian living, it's really important to realize that we fall short, that we're not perfect. And so living the Christian life which is loving God above all, our neighbor as ourself. Um, following God's ways, it's not somehow to gain a relationship with God. We can't do that. We can't achieve that. Only Jesus can. And that's why God sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the Bible says all we need to do is accept that gift of God with the believing heart. Why live for Jesus then? Why follow God's commands like this? Why seek to be holy and set our lives apart? Well, it's out of thankfulness. When you receive a gift, you say thank you. And the way we especially say thank you to God for his indescribable gift is by giving him our hearts giving him our lives, living for him. So I encourage you this morning to give him your heart because you're so thankful for all that he's done for you. Give him Sundays too, as the fourth commandment directs us. And I'm convinced that you will experience the joy of living for Jesus, maybe like never before. Amen.